everyone, and welcome to the European Startup Show, where every week I talk to exciting startups in Europe to learn more about their challenges and strategies they use to scale their business. My guest today is Karel Kotkas, founder and CEO of Verif. Karel is a 25-year-old Estonian entrepreneur whose online identity verification startup, Verif, is said to be the next tech unicorn or billion-dollar company coming out of the small and mighty Estonia. Cybercrime is a trillion-dollar industry built on protecting against a constantly evolving threat that seems to be getting more and more sophisticated with time. Verif is an Estonian global online identity verification company with a mission to protect businesses and their customers from online identity fraud by ensuring that a person is who they claim to be. I'm delighted to have Karel as my guest today to share his perspectives on digital identity and on building this incredibly successful company into a global phenomenon. So welcome, Karel. Thank you, Anita. Great to be here with you today. I read a little bit about your background and about an incident when you were young where you faked an identity that triggered your fascination. Could you tell us a little bit more about that story? And is that really the reason you started Verif or were there other events that influenced you to think that this could be a sustainable global company? There was multiple factors that came into the play that uh, made me think that there's enormous uh, demand for fixing the identity and trust problem online. Going back in time, the first sign was more than 10 years ago when buying goods online and using debit account at PayPal, I needed to upload a copy of my ID. And at that time, I wasn't 18 years old. And without thinking twice, I just changed my date of birth from 1994 into 1984 on a document photo, uploaded, and all my orders got confirmed. But this was just a one sign that represented the problem at that time. When, when I was doing a case study for TransferWise, or, or now WISE, and started to find ways how to improve the identity verification for fintech companies like them, I, I noticed that the same issues were still present back in 2015 which was a sign that the identity verification as such, or how it was called previously, it meant just extracting data on a document instead of doing proper verification behind it. And this was also another thing that made me think, which is the third thing in Estonia, where we could do everything online, thanks to strong uh, government-issued ID authentication that goes well beyond fintechs and is something that when we can establish trusted decisions for identity verification globally, this serves as essential infrastructure layer for more and all the services online. And, and this was the time when, when I thought how we could uh, keep people safe online, how we could uh, support the next generation and more honest way of the internet and thought that when in the physical world in the early days there was sheriff that made sure that people are safe and now everything is moving online in order to trust you have to verify so let's build this more friendly approach of verification sheriff verif when i was researching this space i saw that there were a number of other online digital verification providers, and some of them had started in 2010, 2012. So when you started Verif in 2015, what was the 
shortcoming you felt existed in the current solution that made you think you could do something better and different? There was multiple things, but I think the key things were at first the scalability. Those solutions didn't scale. Then accuracy, which meant conversion and fraud prevention was solved with very, very big trade-offs and the lack of accuracy. And the fraud prevention aspect where the cost of doing fraud was very low, just changing the data on a document photo, uploading it, and it was good enough for different players and providers out there. Another aspect was how this landscape is going to change where the 2010 and 12 companies who entered this space, they mainly served the compliance purpose, which was to fulfill the regulatory requirements, which I have to admit uh, sounded a bit like just extracting data on a document instead of doing anything more. And this made us think that there's uh, no way of improving and building things upon how it's been done before rather seeing how we can leverage more data that enables us to automate and provide a better accuracy instead of making identity verification decision on three pictures where document front, back and photo. What if we are taking the video of the whole session from the beginning until the end that we can leverage and analyze it on a frame by frame level? how we could leverage device and network fingerprinting, which has been essential for fraud prevention and, and cross-linking purposes. And uh, behavioral characteristics of people uh, in front of the screen. And all of this represented that we are having over a thousand data points where others in the space are having like three pictures only to make those decisions from. And this provided us a unique opportunity to highly automate you provide high accuracy that you can also provide services beyond fintech for every service online and have a product that provides very trusted results that makes the cost of doing fraud unreasonably high. Those are the cornerstones based on what Verif was born. And we've been now trying to provide a better and clearer understanding. What does identity verification mean? One of the things that I find fascinating when I talk to startups, at the end of the day, you have to play with legacy systems. So while you're saying that the new way Verif does identity verification is using video, which makes a lot more sense because you have more data, isn't there still a problem that what you're comparing against in terms of verification of identity is typically just a picture and, and like textual data that's saved in legacy systems? This represents a couple of challenges around the sales processes where switching costs and making the move for better is not just pure metrics, but also companies have to see what does it take to make the replace for better solutions. On another side, it's becoming obvious uh, where we've been in touch with companies two years ago. They said that, that yeah, we can't make the change, but now the deep waves and all those are around us on a, on a daily basis where we're in the times of deep waves relying only on pictures provides false comfort. And, and it's becoming obvious that for them to be competitive, it's the time to make a change. The bet that we took for very, very strong verification approach is something that is going to change uh, significantly and, and has been growing fast. 
I'm excited for the future to come for businesses to discover stronger opportunities. You have this product, which is differentiated and it's better in terms of how you do online verification. How did you think about growing your business? I think fintech is a really hard space to become successful in because there's such established processes, there's regulation, it's harder to change. Could you take me back to the journey of how you grew your business? How did you go to your first 10 customers, your first 100 customers? As a company, what did you prioritize as you built out from the initial stages? Going back to our first 10 customers back in 2016, they were actually the hardest customers one startup can imagine. Traditional banking sector here in the Baltics and Nordics, they were the ones that uh, needed to prove to regulators that the way they are now enabling customers to onboard from distances even more secure than physical face-to-face verification. And we were powering uh, the traditional banking sector which is on very many levels so much harder still than more progressive and innovative fintech companies. That that also enabled us to build the product starting from 2015, keeping also GDPR and all the certifications and all security measures in mind, which was something that felt a bit challenging in the early days, but was a key for our future success. As when companies scale very, very fast, then they might have this kind of a false feeling of product market fit that ends up having a situation that they have 100 customers who who say, this is okay company, but we don't know exactly how they are very, very sure. Instead of having companies that is then who who love you and are the ambassadors for your business and all the support. Going back in time, we started quite uh, small in numbers and uh, actually the peak scale up uh, from Verif started in 2019. We had over 200 people working at Verif, but only one salesperson, which meant that Verif has been growing always word of mouth. Starting November 2019, we started to build up our go-to-market organization and further growth. So how did you grow? What was the 200 people then? It was mostly engineering and product. The times when we were growing, we focused on one customer and supported very, very heavily and building the product with them and and seeing how it all works. And we have a queue of customers, which uh, we've been onboarding as other companies where where it was considered as a secret weapon for their online identity and verification demands. This was the key how we kept up uh, growing in a manner that we never overpromise, but we rather underpromise, but over deliver. And this is what we were known for. So the other customers in the pipeline came how? Because if I'm a bank and I think this is my secret weapon, I'm not going to tell other banks. It's quite easy to understand who runs those verifications. <laughs> we weren't like fully white label behind it. All those onboardings and things were powered by Verif. How it take place in the in the early days. But now I have to admit, I never underestimate the value of sales, which you, in the enterprise field, you always have to build up relationships and be out there. And when we started to build up our go-to-market organization, we grew six times last year. And this year, we are not going for less. What about marketing? You had one salesperson before you started growing your go-to-market team. Did you have any uh, marketing people or any other 
go-to-market people? We previously had until 2019, 2020. Most of it went into employer branding. We have over 34 different nationalities. Very many people together with their families have moved to Estonia and, and to provide them the comfort about making the move. And another part was branding because we're in a trust business and we have to have a trusted brand behind it. Now it's shifting towards demand generation, which I believe for this year is going to be the 80% of our focus. Employer branding is so interesting, especially when you're in your early stages. You don't have much to attract people. Can you tell us a little bit more about how you did that employer branding to attract good talent from all over the world? The most important part of the employer branding starts with the company's culture and the way we work. From the way we work was the part that first hundred people that we hired at Verif, there was no job advertisement out. It was just going after the core hundred was leveraging our own network of people and, and the people we'd like to learn from and build this company with. This was something that built this kind of essential part for our culture at the time. Uh, going further in terms of employer branding, then We've been having our social media channels that uh, that also have been representative in a way we work and, and also telling the story, how we operate at Verif. I think the most important part is you can do only very limited amount of things with employer branding, but you just have to be visible. Uh, the best of the employer branding you can ever do is through employees that are the biggest ambassadors when things are done right. It sounds to me like building a sustainable company is something that's very core to what you want to do with Verif. And I would love to understand a bit more about so far, what are you most proud of doing in how you've built Verif? I think it's this kind of a spark and shine in people's eyes because we can never be big enough to allow ourselves becoming slow, which means that even when organization is growing, how you can keep up having the autonomy within teams and how you can empower and accelerate this kind of innovation mindset. Sometimes it's uh, while doing corporate sales, those things like take time. But what I'm the most excited about is a part that, that yeah, we're not becoming uh, slower despite the team size and, and the growth. And I think it's very important for different companies to recognize where you might have a feeling that starting from 300 people, many companies that have fast growth, they might lower the bar while recruiting people that ends up having people that join you as employees without this mission-driven approach of having an impact on the tasks they do. But how to keep this agility and empowerment within one person that uh, still can have a very big impact. Those are the things that on our organizational level, I'm the most proud of. The people aspect is so important, like you said. And the first hundred, obviously, it seems like you almost handpick people based on who they were and what you knew about them. When you started to scale to 300, I assume you have an in-house recruiter and you have an interview process, etc. What did you do in your recruiting process to make sure that you recruit the right type of people 
for your culture, for your fit, for the passion, mission-driven, all the things you just spoke about? Our recruiting process has five to seven different interviews. So it's quite thorough in terms of its approach. And a person who can work at Verif is chosen around one out of 50 or 52 at the moment. Which means that we've been having great times of having very big interest to join our team. But it's been also something that we've been choosing very wisely without making any compromises. And those are the topics that have worked out for us. In terms of recruitment, then yes, we've been doing very fast scale-up times. 2018, we had 38 people. Then we hired over 200 people within 12 months. And we've gone through different phases within company. I think to, to do it properly, the right processes needs to be in place. And you can't skip any steps by doing it in an expedited manner. So basically you're saying, even when you're scaling, be particular about who you hire, take your time, don't cut corners in the process to make sure that you hire the right person. If you look at mistakes, what are some of the things you did when you were building the company in the early stages or even recently that, you know, if you had to do again, you would say, I would not do it that way. We spent a bit too long time in Estonian market because Verif was built global goal in mind and, and the domestic market here is super, super small where we basically spent nearly two years here in our journey, which now thinking back was behind this kind of a perfectionism that every founder has to solve a problem but uh, their unwillingness to give up on quality while <laughs> growing globally. But to some level, it's a bit taking risks and finding ways how to test things out faster on a global scale. And when thinking back, it, it was a time of going and expanding to new markets. Then we started in Estonia and the next market was Lithuania together with another bank. And we spent nearly a, a year of scaling uh, and not train a lot. And this was the time that now thinking back was one year of work. We got to the Latvian market, but later in our journey, it took one year to take the US market. So internationalization, it's always about thinking, do you need to just go geographically? But it's all about doing a proper market opportunity and analysis and having bigger trust to make bigger bets. Many times the time invested is the same, but the impact is so much bigger. Let's talk about funding a little bit. You've obviously been tremendously successful in terms of funding. You had very early on the founder from TransferWise investing in your company. Now you just raised funding with tier one investors like Axel. Obviously you have a product that was different. There was a product market fit. People wanted the product. You were able to show growth. Those are all basics that you need to have if you want to get funding. What beyond those basics do you feel you did that helped you to secure the right type of funding at the right time? A couple of basics are very, very important. I think the customer reference is the key. Where we've seen on the market that very many companies just put 
on Slitex, uh, logos of businesses they haven't even worked with. The more you grow your business, like investors, they call to everybody that you have and, and the companies you cooperate with. And I think this has been also one of the keys of just having happy customers instead of just logos. This is a very important part. Another thing is, is the synergy within team because it isn't a one-man job. It's about having calls with a team and checking in how the team cooperates and what's the synergies in between them. That is very important because no company has ever been out of business because of competition. And companies never fail. It's the people who fail or are exhausted to give up. It's so important to have and get the right feeling about the team meetings and, and getting to know them. It's just working business. Numbers make sense. Growth makes sense. You're scaling your business in an efficient manner and you're having the metrics in place that um, deserve fueling more uh, money onto that provides you back the right payback. And those are the key things that sophisticated investors are having a look at. When those things are in place, this process can go quite fast. From our Series B financing, it started in February and we signed a term sheet at the end of February. Amazing. How did you go to the US? Did you end up moving to the US? What kind of team did you put? When, when we were going to the US market, this choice was made Obvious for us was the time when Y Combinator came to Estonia and we had a time to sign up for an office hours and Gustav Alströmer and I had a call and talk in person and I showed the product that we built and as he previously worked at Airbnb, he said it's such a big problem for marketplace companies. He told us, guys, why are you stuck here in Europe? We need you in the States. And this made us to apply for YC and we were a part of Winter 18 patch that together with their support made uh, scaling to US market so much more convenient, leveraging their portfolio companies for further growth. It was very, very interesting for us as a company to see this strong ecosystem they built and most importantly, next to the bright minds you can talk to is also the network of people. Because when you're having very highly motivated and top talent around the world, solving big problems and working very hard, at one point makes those relationships that you're building together in those three months also so much stronger than, than just chilling for three months. And I believe the, this uh, opportunity of being there, learning from the best and being together with them in this long journey is something that definitely has had a great positive impact on the story of it. Interesting. My last question is one that I was thinking about after our first conversation, Karel, which is you're obviously very young and it's daunting to think about building a business and almost giving up your life to build something sustainable. And I was wondering, what motivates you? Do you feel you always had this entrepreneurship streak and you knew you would build something at some point in time? Or have you just fallen into it? And if you've just fallen into it, how do you learn all the different things you need to do 
to actually grow a business? Starting from the beginning, was it always my dream to become an entrepreneur? Then it wasn't on top of my list. But what intrigued me a lot was just to solve different problems that were obvious and ended up being a problem that was so obvious for me that how you can leverage more data within such a central place where previously they've done nothing or like very limited amount and, and how you can make it as a force for good to, to serve this trust layer online. This intrigued me a lot and it all also gave me this kind of a itchy feeling inside me that I can't scratch, that this kind of excitement that it's such a peak globally that I fall in love with and I'm still in this in love phase with this And I think this is something that uh, enables you to build it with big excitement without doing any compromises, the more you understand the the scale of it. And how it's done, I think um, it's done with this approach of being hungry to learn. And in terms of scaling the company the fastest, the speed of learning is, is important because company can never grow faster as your own personal growth. It is a curve on a graph that your own personal growth has to be always a couple of steps ahead of company's growth. And and then you, together with the team, can get the company coming after and, and you can lift it up. And you have this personal growth on a team level. It's all about having fresh ideas, fresh talent and excitement within organization. I believe every one of us, we can do only well things that we like and and that's also the reason why the recruitment and the culture and environment we create has to support this that's beautiful i think that's a really lovely place to end the complex questions and i always have this rapid round at the end which is short questions that require short answers and it starts with your favorite book is there any book you would recommend that, you know, has made an impact on you personally or professionally? The Legal Prince. I've read it in five different languages. This has been something that has been always different in different times I read it. And I've read it in five different languages to just be excited about it. Wow. What are the five languages? Finnish, Russian, Estonian, English, German. Amazing. What about a productivity tool, a productivity tip that you use? The best productivity tip is proper sleep. And you can have a proper sleep if you don't postpone things to tomorrow, which means that even if you need to work later to get your to-do list done today, then you are feeling so much better at night at home <laughs> to have a proper sleep that you don't have something in your back, back of your head. What do you use for your to-do list? Um, actually, for my to-do list, I use just notes and calendar. Nothing fancy, just works. Your favorite European city? I still think it's uh, Tallinn. I still think it's Tallinn. Yeah. Changing very fast and very interesting to see how, how this European city has changed. I've met so many amazing entrepreneurs from Estonia and actually Latvia, Lithuania. I definitely want to visit that region. It seems so fascinating. What about a favorite quote? The outcome can be only as big as the energy you've put into your work. You can't outsmart the physics. Lovely. Well, 
Thank you so much, Karel, for joining me on this episode today. I thoroughly enjoyed my conversation with you and I really look forward to seeing where you take Verif and I wish you all the luck. Thank you, Anita. This was lovely to have this conversation. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe and leave a review. I don't charge guests to be on the show and your ratings and review help the show stay alive. Thank you very much for listening and until next time, keep building. Keep building.